Do you realize that SpongeBob did not have square pants? You don't know about that crusty crab pizza. Crusty crab pizza is the pizza for you and me. Welcome to Gen Z on Fire with Luke Esslinger. My prayer is that you walk in the joy of a relationship with Jesus by discovering the power and friendship of the Holy Spirit. Let's get into it. Hey, welcome to Gen Z on Fire. Got a couple of good friends with me today, Jared and Jonathan, um, both who are a part of the church that I'm a part of, and uh, but more importantly, buddies, for sure. John's definitely in that BFF category. We're pals. Pals. Good pals. Jared's in that. There's an age difference. For Jared's sure. in that he's friends with the BFF category. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, I'm the he's, third he's, wheel. He's John's friend. That's who Jared is. I think a lot yeah. of our chemistry comes from the pickleball. Yeah. The athletics. Oh, that's true. Sports. Yep. Yeah. The competition. Yeah. Would you call me sensei when mm. it comes to pickleball? I wouldn't. I would call you grandmaster. <laughs> yeah. That's let's even go. better. Uh, I was Dude, like, were you trying to think of worse? I was like, what could be grandmaster like, is better than sensei? What could be like kind of a diss, but then I that's ended up complimenting. I would him. say no, that was like the the compliment of all compliments. I would say I would say you're an up and coming sensei. Yeah, that's what I would say. You're an up and coming sensei. Yeah, yeah. I got mad potential. You do have mad potential. And pickleball skills. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know. It's quite been lived up yet. No. Well, when's the last time we played? Maybe a, like a month and a half. And yeah. who won between you and me in the last time? There's wind, Jared. <laughs> there was wind. No that day. wind. No. There was no wind. <laughs> there was fair. I would that say was fair yeah. competition. <laughs> yeah, you actually did win the last time. <laughs> Which was like the first time, right? Yes, mm, I wouldn't no. say. Yeah. Yes, I would, the set. I've I've taken games. Yeah, but I want. Okay, set. if we're okay, if we're breaking down the the athletic theory really quick between Jared and me, and maybe even the trio, but Jared is in great shape. Jared is what are you a buck sixty? Yep, about there. And has major hops, crazy speed, and all that. And it's really competitive. And I've edged you out mm-hmm. most times, yeah. even though you have that. So what does that say about my mind? So, so let me okay. let me <laughs> let me give some context. Pickleball is a sport that doesn't require serious athleticism. That's true. Right? It's it's all about there's a lot of older folks playing paddle. pickleball. When we in fact when we go play pickleball, I would say that ninety percent of the people at the courts They're are over over sixty five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that is actually it. a fair point. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> that is a fair. We've point. been whooped by some by some seniors for sure. That's true. That's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. That's true facts, though. <laughs> true facts, as opposed to fake facts. True Correct. facts, true which facts. are very prevalent in the world right now. Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Can't trust those. I feel like we could talk about nonsense Just weird. for the Just entire weird stuff. episode. Yeah. Weird stuff. But okay. we'll get into the word. Uh, Jared, I've known you for how many years now? I'd say about four years. Four years, yeah. Uh, John talked about your vertical leap, mm. which was the... F- first thing I noticed about you because mm. we had a it's actually <laughs> really impressive yeah. yeah we had an event for youth and you came and started playing ball and I was like dude who is this kid this well is Jared and you vertical. can reach about the same height right yeah. but you're six four yeah and Jared's five nine yeah and you both can reach about the same exactly. height when you guys jump which is crazy it's freaky weird and then and then John and I grew up together yep. in the same circle and um, much more recently have become really good friends. Our families have kids the same age and all that. John, I consider to be one of the like best young leaders I've ever known. Oh, that's and cool. if we could just get him to stop eating cheeseburgers, like we'd be... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. 
He's been, <laughs> I can't believe you said that, dude. He's been gymming. He's been gymming in the morning. No, he has. No, 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 no. Wait Don't. a second. You have to at least have a consistent rhythm of going to the gym for. I, it's got to be at least two what months. Was, what was the last meal it. that you ate before you hopped on this podcast? Well, you know, you punk. You bought it for me, dude. It was a cheeseburger. <laughs> It was a three by three, three by three with here. no fries, no, no fries. fries. <laughs> yeah, and for context, <laughs> we're serious buds. Oh so yeah, I did, oh Luke, I oh, Luke can for sure say that for sure. <laughs> In and fact, I, I was met, it. Yeah. I expect oh, yeah. something back from you. Oh, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> anyways, um, one of the things I enjoy about the friendships that I have, even when we go do things like pickleball or whatever, um, there is not this separate life that we have. We don't have this life where we, you know, serve in a church community and where we're doing these different things. And it's just not this separate, separate life. It, it involves itself into everything that we do. And so even like, even if we're playing pickleball, like we all are challenged on, each other's like integrity and things. And even if we're having like a bad day or something, we're kind of like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah, enough of that nonsense. Uh, and so one of the things I want to talk about in this episode is this one foot in one foot out Christianity Mm. that I think affects a lot of people's lives. Um, and I think it comes from a lack of understanding of what Jesus really calls us to step out in. Um, one of the things that I heard you mention recently is seeing um, my world through a biblical view rather than seeing the Bible through my worldview. Hmm, right? Yeah. So I kind of want to just throw that door open. One foot in, one foot out Christianity. How do we get rid of that in our lives? Or maybe someone's watching and they're like, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Yeah. I either go to church on Sunday and then I go live my life the rest of the week. What do we do? Yeah. How do we kill that. Well, first of all, I would say that living one foot in and one foot out is what I did for most of my teen years. I would say that I never fully feel like I had both feet out. I always had a love for the Lord and wanted to do right. But it wasn't until I was 19 that I actually had both feet in. It was just directly in the middle. And I actually think being lukewarm or being kind of in the middle, it can often be one of the most miserable places to be. Because if you think about the joy of the Lord, which is the real joy that we get, it's the true fulfillment that we have. Um, you have that, but then there is counterfeit joy, right? There's temporary joy that we get through the world or there's temporary pleasure that we get in the world that's really counterfeit. It it ends up not paying off in the long run and it ends up not leaving us fulfilled, but it can be fun in the moment. And when you're in the middle where you're really not pouring into your spirit with the Lord, you're really not getting the fullness of joy from the Lord, but you're trying to cut off the counterfeit joy from the world, you can end up just feeling kind of in this empty limbo, like you're not fully with the Lord, but you're not doing everything else that everyone else is. And so I would say I felt for sure in that limbo at times, and it wasn't until God really changed my life and and I decided to put both feet in that I finally found like the real fulfillment in life and the real purpose. But, but yeah, lukewarm Christianity, it's a real thing that our culture deals with and it's not a fun place to be. It's not, it's not fulfilling. It actually hurts the people. It's really not Christianity at all, right? Christianity, being a Christian is to be Christ-like and there was nothing about Christ that was one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, true. And so lukewarm is not, I have a problem with that word personally. I feel like it should be. (laughs) Right. The hottest temperature that there is, right? At least according to my Luke life. Warm, right. <laughs> nice. But being one foot out, I, I actually have thought about this recently. 
I think it, I think being one foot in one foot out actually causes a lot of torment. Yep. Because when you are, let's just say someone doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know the reality of God. There's a, there's not a level of like conviction there on, on necessarily knowing what the truth is. And I'm walking the opposite way, but when you know the truth and you're not doing it actively, it is tormenting. True. Like it really. Jared knows. Jack's with you. Yeah, Jared. Jared. He's still got one foot out a little bit, trying to get it in. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not. I'm kidding. No, Jared's definitely one of the most all-in people I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you experience any of that? You started coming around, and you didn't come from a family of faith. Um, you know, did, did you experience any of that one foot in, one foot out? Because what people wouldn't know about you is there was a season where I'd, we'd go, we'd have Friday morning prayer, 6 a.m. prayer. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. And I'd see you and another buddy show up like every single Friday at 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. prayer, and then you guys would head over to school. And that was really around the time when your life started to seem like, dude, what is happening with Jared? Mm -hmm. God is really moving in his life. But what was there ever a moment for you where you got out of that? You you did the hokey pokey and you turned yourself to the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think ironically, like in that time of my life when I was going to that Friday morning prayer, I was still dealing with a lot of things, a lot of sin in my life. You know, I was a big partier. I would go out and I would look forward to the weekends. You know, I was a, I was a football player as well. So that was a big part of my life. You know, my friend group, you know, your football bros, your rider dies. That's like, that's your, that's your squad. That's your team, you know? So while I'm going, while I'm really being introduced to the Lord, you know, at, at the age of 17, you know, 18, when I'm really being introduced to who God is and, and what it's like to be all in with the Lord, you know, I'm still, I'm still compromising with these, with these things. And I think being a lukewarm Christian, you know, we get in this mindset of like, how could I get the best of both worlds? Right. So it's like, Mm. if I want to, you know, be a Christian, get saved, you know, go to heaven, but then I could still kind of like, you know, dabble and, and be with my friends over here. But it's like, no, I'm still saved though. And I'm still having fun. So it's like getting out of that mindset and really being like, Lord, like, I need to follow you. And what does that look like? You know, and, and, and we think of the scripture, um, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? You know, and, and that's people that, that's a lukewarm Christian, right. you know, claiming to, to know Jesus, um, but you do the opposite, right? Yeah. And, and I felt like I was conflicting with that a lot, you know, until there was, a, it came a time in my life where I was like, you know what, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sick of this, you know, and, and like how you said, it's miserable, right? And I found myself finding temporary happiness, you know, but in the end, it would kind of be destructive in my life. It would be destructive in my family and my friends um, and, and relationships that I had. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that Miley Cyrus had it wrong. You can't have the best of both worlds. Nope, can't. <laughs> nope. Right. She did have it wrong. That's a great show. And for way. context, I don't know if all the viewers would know this too, but for me... Both of you guys are incredibly close to me. I like you said, Luke. You are us as couples, our BFFs and all that. And then us Jared, as couples. <laughs> well, you have a wife. I have a wife. <laughs> not, not, yeah, you, you and us, I are not you couples. You said us as couples. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You and I are not couples. We each have wives that together make two <laughs> couples that yeah. together make us as yes. couples. And we're like best friends. You knew you guys were over right. on Monday night. We love hanging out. We all have kids. We have four kids in the same age group. Um, and then Jared is my assistant at the church that we work at. And one of the things though that struck me about Jared when I first met him, because I met Jared after you, Luke. So 
uh, I was in Lake Elsinore for a period of time and then moved back here. And I remember when I first noticed Jared, I distinctly remember the first time I ever noticed him. He, we were at a conference and I was sitting um, in, I think the second row or maybe the third row and Jared and his friend Jairus were in the row right in front of me. And just the way that they were worshiping just really struck me. There was something about during worship and you know, we had maybe, I don't know, 800, a thousand people there. And yet for some reason, these two young men in particular struck me as there's something about the way that they're worshiping that is not, doesn't feel like they're just putting on a show or they're just getting through a song, but that their heart is to do right before God. And so, uh, so we went out and we met at a Starbucks and then from there the relationship continued. But, but you can tell when somebody's truly, when their heart's truly been captured by the Lord versus them going through the motions. And that was something that I noticed right away with Jared, that he was not a, uh, not a half in type of person that he wanted to do right and wanted to do it to the fullness. So I I, thought that was so cool. I think that's probably one of the most important things. You know, it's, it's, what is the first commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, you know, if, if you're a lukewarm Christian, then you're not living that out. Right. Because if you really do love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then it's like, these things aren't desirable. You know, right. living in a life of sin isn't desirable, but right. when you truly love the Lord, and I'm so fortunate enough to be able to caught that revelation of loving the Lord, it's like, man, I don't, I don't want to do anything else but love the Lord and yeah. serve the Lord, right? And it's fun. It's not this legalistic, you know, weird thing. You know, I'm a, I'm a 22-year-old, you know, young man, and people are like, man, like, that's like a great prime age to just, you know, go out and just explore and figure yourself out. But it's like, no, like, I found myself. I right. found myself in Jesus, right? And, and mm. that's through loving him with, with everything that I have, yeah? And, and God was able to supply everything that I needed. Um, you know, all, all the trials and all the tribulations that I went through, God was able to, you know, be the guardrails for my life and to really lead me on a, yeah. a right path. That's so good. Did you have a surrender moment? Like you talked about, you would come to 6 a.m. prayer and you're still one foot in, one foot out. I think showing up to 6 a.m. prayer. But- yeah, most most... Teenagers do not go to 6 a.m. prayer when they have one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, what was that like? When did, when was the moment? Uh, I don't know. I would say that it just progressively, like the sin became fewer and far between. Hmm. I don't know if there was that like moment of like, oh my gosh, like I need to be all in. I think of like the time, so I had a girlfriend, right? I was dating her for three years in high school. And I remember I was, you know, I've been saved for about two years. And I remember the Lord was like, you know what? I don't, I don't think she's the one you know I I feel like you know there's some things it's it's a weight and I need to you know in order to run and to do the things that I'm called to do I need to lay aside this weight and I remember that was a hard thing for me to let go of you know and and this relationship that relationship that I had was a good relationship right there was nothing like wrong we weren't arguing we weren't bickering it was like a good relationship you know strong relationship and the Lord said you know step out of this you know and and I think a moment like that really like showed myself like no this is real like this I'm all in I'm willing to give up something that I love so much to truly follow the Lord and be the person that I'm called to be so that was about two years ago and I would say that moment was like a very definitive moment in my life to really Mm. you know quit Mm. being I guess one foot in one foot out but just truly following the Lord with everything it was it was the moment that you decided that you're going to serve the Lord with nothing off the table, right? Because I think a lot of times we serve the Lord, but there are areas of our lives that we're not willing to allow him to come into, right? So like, Lord, you can have my Sunday morning, you can have my Wednesday night, or you can have 
this area, that area, but don't touch my relationship or don't touch my, my me time or my Tuesday nights or my Friday nights or whatever. But that, that I think was a big step. And I remember even us connecting about that as you were walking through that, that that was, I feel like one of the big steps where, where you kind of allowed the Lord to enter in those last areas of your life that maybe he hadn't entered into, but then you, you ended up saying, you know what, like I need to allow the Lord to enter into my whole life. And it's just been cool seeing even the growth between that. It's been awesome. Agreed. And you have this crazy story of really surrendering to, to God and, and, uh, God propelling you in some things. And, um, I know it so well because I've heard it a million times, but you long story short, like God encounters you at a, at a conference where they're preaching the word, right. And you feel like you got to go on a 21 day fast you don't remember this actually, but I came over to your house. One of those days you were in the 20 day fast, 21 day fast. And you were like in your room and it smelled like teenage boy. And, uh, <laughs> what were you coming over for? Going to ask me for advice? No. Or <laughs> <laughs> Luke's, Luke and I were, are we three and a half, four years apart right around there? So I was, I think I was 19. So you must've been like 23 at the time or something. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. And, uh, yeah, I do ask you for advice on a lot of things. <laughs> no, we ask you, you think so differently than me, which yeah. is what I love. But, yeah, we ask each other. Yeah, so yeah. you do this 21-day fast. God calls you in the midst of that to be a youth pastor. There's definitely no position for that. Yeah. This you know, person in our faith community asks you, hey, come be the volunteer youth pastor all at once. Crazy experience. You start doing yeah. that. You ask a volunteer to come volunteer with you. She ends up being your wife. You end up taking the church over after how long was that? Two years. So we were the youth youth leaders or youth pastors there for two yeah. years before we became the campus and you pastors. And yeah. you were a campus pastor, a lead pastor at... 20, 21. 21, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and God just did some things very quickly yeah. in your life. It seems to me like there's... It seems to me like... There is so much waiting for us the moment we say yes to Jesus. That's right. Yep. Right? Like, it seems to me like there is so much that happens to us personally where we're fulfilled and we're full of joy and such. But then God also brings these things into our lives that are like, oh my gosh. If we could tell people what's on the other side of surrender, right? they'd probably be doing it much quicker. Yeah. And maybe we need to be communicating the character and the love of God better in this way to help people yeah. understand this is what he did for me. He'll do the same for you. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. So in my life, I kind of had a little bit of an opposite um, scenario in some ways than Jared in that to Jared, like when Jared started coming to the Lord and all that, a lot of it was new. But for me, I grew up as a pastor's kid. So, so I grew up my whole life, uh, my parents being pastors. And so what I found kind of interesting and unique growing up as a pastor's kid was um, it, it's, it's almost like if you picture somebody who's never had access to a hot shower and then for the first time they take a hot shower, the gratitude they feel on the inside, it's, it's almost like in some ways it can be natural. Like you just feel gratitude. Like this is amazing. But how do you teach a kid that's grown up having a hot shower their whole life to really appreciate mm-hmm. this, that not everyone has this and to really be grateful for it in a real tangible way? And I found myself growing up struggling to find out how to have that real connection. In fact, I remember through my teen years, I would see people come to the Lord and their faith was so new and they were so on fire for God. And I remember telling my parents, my mom in particular, asking like, why, why don't I feel like that? Like why they're so on fire for the Lord? Like I want that, but I don't feel it. Um, but, uh, but it wasn't until, yeah, I was 19 and, and I was going nowhere. I had one foot in, one foot out 
most of my teen years. And I would say at 19 years old, I started going completely towards the having both feet out. I started heading in that direction. And there was some wake up calls that happened as I started heading in that direction. And I just knew I got to give the Lord a shot. And so I did, I gave him 21 days and, um, told the Lord, Lord, I'm going to give you everything I got. And it was hard. I died to my flesh. I gave up things that I didn't want to give up, but I told him, I'm going to see if you're worth it. And he was, and I found out later, which is so cool. It's like a side note detail, but I found out later, um, when I was telling my grandma about the, the fact that I gave the Lord 21 days and that he changed my life, my grandma, so my dad's mom told me that uh, my grandpa, my dad's dad, when he was a young man, said the same thing to God and said, God, I'll give you three weeks. I'll give you 21 days wow. to see what you got. And God, in those 21 days, God captured his heart and he served the Lord the rest of his life. Wow! I had no idea about that's that amazing. until afterwards, but I just thought that's so cool how the Lord's even been working on my family from generations before. But um, I would say, long story short, everything I had heard about the faithfulness of God growing up turned out to actually be true because you hear all the time he's worth it, he's worth mm-hmm. it. And I know what it feels like to be sitting in church and you're like, yeah, but I feel this way or you don't know what I'm going through or this, that, and the other. Um, but it turns out he really is worth it. He's worth surrendering not just 90, 95% of your life, but all of your life and you reap what you sow. And there's so many benefits that come with being all in for the Lord. And that doesn't mean perfect. I'm still not perfect. Um, but it does mean living a life of full surrender and not being back and forth with the Lord, but being consistent. Even when you fall, one of my life verses is a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. It's like it's like having a little bit of spring in your step that when you fall, uh, you just have a spring about you that you just pop right back up as opposed to yeah. um, a lot of times when I used to fall or miss something or mess something, I would just lay there condemned metaphorically speaking. I would just stay down, be discouraged for a while until finally I woke back up. But, but uh, I found that it's really important that when you miss it, because you will miss it at times, that you're just really quick to get up, to repent, to get going, to keep moving forward. And and, uh, and it should become fewer and far between. The right. Lord will free you from it. Your fast actually was not a perfect 21-day fast, right? No. No. As a matter of fact, I think I had a cheeseburger <laughs> at about... <laughs> oh I'm not kidding, actually. <laughs> I did not By the way, this. cheeseburgers aren't even my favorite food, just for the record. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Steak, probably. Steak okay. and Mexican okay. food. It's definitely it's Mexican food over Imagine cheeseburger. John's like, you know, steak... With a little bit of cheese on it in between some bread. <laughs> right. Like brown steak. And some potatoes. Cut right. up and fried. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh, my gosh. Um, Why did my the favorite cheeseburger food? get so perfectly placed? <laughs> I know. It got, it got, I know. And it just so happened, I do not have cheeseburgers that often because they're not my go-to. But today, of all days, I thought, Jared, <laughs> let's go with In-N-Out today. And uh, had no idea who's going to bring it up on the podcast and all that. But right. apparently, he did. That ridiculous. <laughs> you know, there's, there's supposed to be some sort of like confidentiality between assistant yeah. and employer and all yeah. that stuff. But yeah, yeah but, uh, okay. but so, I think halfway through the fast, I actually, I got about to the halfway point. And, uh, and I just felt like when I say, you know, I died to myself, I mean, like I took everything that I would say really mattered to me and put it away. Like, um, like I was a huge gamer. I could easily throw down eight hours on call of duty. And that's like, wow. just so, yeah, that was so satisfying to me. If it was anything less than three or four hours, I feel like I didn't get a full scope. So, and I, so at the time I was 19, I was unemployed. Um, I wasn't uh, going to school or anything like that. I had joined an internship. I had actually quit my job and not gone to college to join an internship that I ended up quitting at the church because I got corrected and I couldn't receive it. I was just, I was not a good intern and uh, quit. And then uh, I was just at a place in my life where I was playing video games, hanging out with friends. Um, I was talking to 
girls like just flirting and texting and all this stuff um, constantly. And, and I put all of that away. I put my video games away. I told my friends I can't hang out with you. Um, I put everything away. I knew I needed to. And I spent 21 days as an unemployed person spending all my time um, reading the word, praying, worshiping, and listening to teachings. But I got to about the halfway point, And I would say that all I did in the first half was felt like die. That's all I was doing. I was just dying to myself. And I wanted to go do something. I just would die to myself over and over. And I got to the halfway point and, uh, and I ended up giving in. I ended up going and hanging out with some buddies of mine that uh, I had said, we weren't going to hang out for three weeks. I need to focus on the Lord. But I went and hung out with them. Uh, I did the first three days, no food. And then the rest was fruits and veggies. Uh, I cheated on that. I think I went and got a cheeseburger, uh, or something like that. I, I'm pretty sure it was a cheeseburger, but went and got that. And, uh, and really got to the place where I actually told the Lord, I literally prayed this out loud where I said, God, I said, I tried, I'm done. Like I tried God, I tried to do it right. And all that, I was so discouraged that I cheated on the fast and all this stuff. And so, um, so I went back to my room and I just prayed and I said, God, I'm sorry. I tried. I really gave it everything I've got. You know, I tried, I just can't do it. And, uh, and in that moment I had bought like a stack of CDs to listen to because wow. at the time CDs were still kind of relevant. It was CDs. only, no, it was only eight years What's ago. That? What's, What's that? What's a CD? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's sorry. Really quick side note. That reminds <laughs> me. So Jared is 22, right? So he's Gen Z. I'm 27. So I'm kind of barely, barely, a not Gen Z. All the, yeah. Although I feel I don't feel close to Gen Z, but probably because I have four kids. So I feel like separate culturally, but so he's 22, I'm 27. Somebody asked me like a month ago at church, they asked me if Jared was my son. We're five years apart and somebody we're walking around because he's, he's my assistant. And so we're walking around together and somebody walks up and goes, nice to meet you, Jonathan and all that. They're oh, is this your son? And I was like, no, this is my, this is my assistant. And I, (laughs) that can mean two things. That can mean I'm either really, really young or you're extremely I'm old, old, but do I look? And I mean, what what would people say? Probably that you're looking old. Yeah, maybe maybe that is what people would say. The only thing, the only area that I feel like I am kind of Jared's daddy is in athletics and competition. Oh but other oh than that, goodness. it's just that's it, that's it. So I just thought that was so funny that for some reason I don't know. And then oh, and then like within how did we get, on, did we get on this that, topic by the way it was it's a tangent but a few uh, weeks before that somebody also asked me if my dad was my brother uh, and all that and we're yeah, 30 years so apart definitely. and if you've seen my dad yeah. that doesn't look like my bro right <laughs> like you might be one of the only people that if someone's guessing their age in the same group someone goes i don't know maybe 20 maybe 40 yeah, yeah it could be like a really really <laughs> wide range That's so funny. apparently so that was a little tangent of what I was saying, and what I was saying was what? What was I saying before? I don't know, actually. I don't know. Dude, none of us, I know the viewers were listening. Yeah. So talking about your fast. You talking I was about talking your, about my uh, fast. Well, let me just pick it up in the fast. I don't remember exactly where I was. Oh, I remember because I brought up the stack of CDs. Mm, yes. And I said Jared wouldn't know because he's yeah. such a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And he's so young. Not yep. a baby, but so young. <laughs> and, um, so CDs were kind of on the way out because this was only eight years ago or so. But um, but I did. I bought a stack of CDs. And and actually, I think particularly the reason why I went that route is actually because I just didn't want to be online. I didn't want to be on YouTube and get tempted to just like spend my time oh. watching random videos. So I just bought CDs um, and DVDs to watch and listen to. That way, there was just no chance that I'd get distracted. And so um, I had this whole stack. And halfway through the fast, I was done. And I told the Lord, Lord, I... I'm going to quit. I just can't do it anymore. I fell. I messed up. I cheated on the fast, hung out with friends, went and ate a cheeseburger. And, um, and I just kept feeling like as I was praying that prayer, I just kept feeling the Holy Spirit say inside of me, put on the love walk. And I had maybe 
10 to 15 different teachings I could have listened to, but I just kept feeling like you said, put on the love walk, put on the love walk, put on the love walk. And if I were to have guessed which teaching the Lord would have said in that moment, that would have been probably the lowest on the list. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I don't need, I know how to walk in love, God. That's not what I need right now. I, I feel so condemned. I feel like I can't do it. I feel like I tried and failed. I don't, I don't need to know. Yeah, be kind. And I'll, I get it, Lord. And I'll, But I just kept feeling like this burning sensation on the inside of me. Put it on. Just put it on. Put it on. And so I did. I finally put it on. And the first thing that the speaker says is the speaker says, for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And then he says, come on, say it with me. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And I just started bawling in that moment. And I said it with him for the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And I was so touched because I knew what God was saying to me. God was saying to me, keep going. My mercy endureth forever. You don't need to give up. You don't need to be done. You don't need to stay in this condemnation. My mercy endureth forever. And so that was a huge pivotal moment for me that if, if I would have just disobeyed the voice of the Lord and not put on that teaching when he told me to, and just gone right back, I, I wouldn't be here today. But thank God that he reached out to me and, and continue to put it on in my heart. And so when I put it on, I knew exactly what he was saying. Keep going. My mercy endureth forever. You don't need to feel condemned. And I kept going. And the second half of the fast was the absolute game changer in my life. The first half was a bunch of dying to myself. And the second half was where God just radically changed everything for me. It's powerful that, that you didn't need to do a perfect fast. Yeah. Um, for God to answer you and come through for you. So, right. And I, and I'm naturally, I know I said that through my teen years, I was kind of half in, half out, but my natural personality is like an all in person either way. And so I'm, I lean towards the tendency of if I miss it in one area, it might as well miss it in a bunch <laughs> of areas, right? That's why, like, it's one of those things that like, if you go to Chipotle and you're going to eat healthy, you get just a little bit of brown rice, you get chicken and veggies, no sour cream, no cheese, none of that stuff. But if you're going to eat junky, get a burrito with extra sour cream, with cheese, with, you know, either you're going all in or all out. That tends to be my personality. And I have to constantly remind myself, no, moderation is okay and all that. And so, yeah. so even in that fast, my personality is, well, I missed it here. I guess I just, I missed it. And, uh, and it took the Lord to strengthen me to keep going and to not let that discourage me. Yeah, that's good. I, I love the persistence that you talk about. Also, someone who, who you know, fights with you in the trenches just as young men and we challenge each other and we confess sin to each other and we're open about things. What, what I love about you is that you don't stay in the junk of the mistake that I made. Like once we've gotten this taken care of, Mm -hmm. like we're moving forward, we're making changes. Um, I think there's a big, I, I really think there's a spiritual thing for, um, I mean, for anybody, but, especially over the young generation where we can go through these things and we can make big mistakes and especially people walking without Jesus, they can really go through these mental, um, you know, dark places and things like that for a long time. What do you think it is about our relationship with God that, and our perspective that we have that allows us to pop right back up and keep pursuing him? What is the, what is the understanding of scripture we need to have to just pop up and move forward? I think one thing is, you know, sometimes as a Gen Zer, pride is a big thing. You know, we're so sufficient and we think our way is the right way. So I think it's it's a perspective change of like, no, like God, I'm I'm dependent on you and I need you and your strength is sufficient for me to get up and to keep going and to keep, you know, a righteous man may fall sometimes, but he gets back up. So it's like that 
perspective change of humility and, and surrender and recognizing that you don't got it, you don't got it all together. And I think that has led personally to my greatest wins and my greatest victories is my, is my surrender and humility and recognizing when I'm wrong and being able to get back up and allowing the Lord to dictate my life good. and where I go. It's good. It, isn't it funny how like, we don't want to be, we don't want to be wrong, but someone who admits that they're wrong, you really do elevate them in your mind. Like, oh, yeah. It's really not a turn off to see someone who like says like, Hey, I, I really did blow it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like I want to do better. It's funny how like, we don't want to admit a mistake except that when people do that, like you're somebody who does this all the time. Like, and we're, you know, you and me separately when our wives and we hang out together, <laughs> you're like, we're always apologizing. We're just like, ah, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I trust you mm-hmm. with everything mm-hmm. I've got, because mm-hmm. you're so quick to be like, you're right. That was my bad. Mm-hmm. And you're not holding yep. on to like, no, mm-hmm. no, that was not me. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really not. For sure. No. And you, you notice, I mean, I, I work with some people that, um, that there's one person in particular that I, that I'm thinking of that I just noticed when they dropped the ball, they just stated very clearly like, Hey, that was just my miss. I just missed it. That's my fault. I should have scheduled that better. I should have done this better. And that stands out to me as somebody I can trust more as opposed to people where you kind of know they didn't schedule it. You kind of know they dropped the ball and they, and they didn't do it, but they don't take responsibility for it. They make either an excuse or give some reason why it couldn't get done. And sometimes there are valid reasons, but, but for the most part, uh, there's things you can do to combat those reasons to get it done anyway. And so, yeah, I would say that somebody who's humble and admit their admits their mistakes actually earns more trust. And I think people feel like by admitting their Mm -hmm. mistakes that they're going to lose trust, but it's actually the opposite when you work with somebody that is willing to admit it when they miss it, that they actually gain trust. Yeah. And that's really the sign of a good friend too, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're watching this and you're like, I need some better friends, like I'm just right. Like you be, if you first be friendly in that. And like, if there's an issue between you, like admit that you made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, I have to train my boys, ask him for forgiveness Mm. for throwing the toy on his head. You know, (laughs) do you forgive me? What does forgiveness mean? I'm letting you go of this. I'm not going to keep this in front of you. Right. Mm, Like this is important. I I thought of in light of today's episode, Matthew 16, 24, that says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to uh, save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, those three statements that Jesus makes right there, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Yeah. Let's talk about those things real quick. Cause it's just, we don't really glorify those things yeah. a lot. Like, Hey, you want to follow Jesus? You know, a lot of times it's like, just raise your hand and pray right. this prayer. And also tomorrow, tell yourself no. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think we actually do a lot of times new believers a disservice by making them feel like the salvation prayer or accepting the Lord is the end Mm. instead of Mm -hmm. helping them to understand it's the beginning. Right. And so a lot of times we talk, and I've been 
somebody who, especially in younger days of ministry, where I want people to go to heaven. And because of that, I'm, I want them to accept Jesus. And, I, and so I'm saying, hey, are you willing to? Would you accept Jesus? Would you say this prayer and mean it from your heart and confess that you believe that he died for you and that he was raised from the dead so that you can be saved? But sometimes we can talk about it as if if you do that, then you're good. Then you're saved. And that's right. that's the end. But it's almost like it's it's almost like if we were to talk to somebody because you know, accepting Jesus, we come into a spiritual marriage with the Lord, and He's the groom and we're the bridegroom. But it's almost like if we were talking to somebody about literally getting married, we would be totally giving them a false picture if we said, "Hey, just just do the ceremony, that's it, and then and then you're married, you're good," uh-huh. and acting yeah. as if there's no. But you, you're going to have to live differently after that. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to live a different lifestyle than you did as a single person. That's where your marriage begins. It's not now. It's the end of one season, but the beginning of a new season. So I think, um, I think if we present the gospel in a way that pretends that the prayer to accept Jesus or confessing your belief and believing in Him is the end, then we're misrepresenting what the gospel is. Because Jesus called us to deny ourselves, and I think that's one thing that I think a lot of believers try to do is they spend their whole life trying to figure out how to live for God while working around this whole deny yourself thing, and it just can't be done. Yeah. But they're they're just constantly trying to figure out, is there some way that I can live for Jesus without having to deny myself? And it can't be done. Denying yourself is a part of living for Jesus. It's what he did for us, right? right? He, he preferred not to be crucified. He said, Father, if there's any way that this cup yeah. can pass from me, let it pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. He's What is he doing there? He's denying himself. He's saying, I have a preference, which is not to be crucified, and yet, I'm going to not deny my own preference to say, Father, what what's your preference? What do yeah. you want? And I'm going to do that. And so he modeled it for us. It's what he calls us to do. And it's it's important for us to catch. Yeah, and, so and there's actually freedom in denying yourself, which it doesn't feel like that at first. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I went through is at first, it feels like junk sometimes denying yourself. And at first, it did feel like that. But on the other side of consistent denying of yourself is freedom, it's victory, it's fulfillment, it's the life that you would always want. And that doesn't mean it's perfect and not filled with some storms that happen, but it's fulfilling and it's purpose-filled and and it's blessed and all of that. And and, um, so denying ourselves is certainly a huge component of serving the Lord. And it's really crucial to get around other people who are denying themselves too. And I don't just mean like people who call themselves Christians. I mean right. followers of Jesus who are about it. Yeah. That yep. we're not playing games because it, it is really, it'd be really discouraging to be like, oh my gosh, I've been so impacted by Jesus. I want to follow after him with everything that I've got. And then you get around others who are like, no, it's, I mean, it's really yeah. not bad to do some of those <clears throat> right. things on the side. It's crucial to get around other people who are going after that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I lived for a while in my teen years. And even into the young adult years where I just did not have people that were that committed. Yeah. And so who's, who, you know, often look at like who's around you, you begin to begin to become like them. Mm -hmm. It's crucial to have people that you're running with at the same pace. I always tell people, God said to Adam, it's not good that you're alone before there was ever sin in the world. Hmm. So. Pre sin entering the world, he said, Hey, in this sinless environment, it's not good that you're alone. Right. And how much more so in our fallen world that has sin everywhere in it, we've got to have Mm -hmm. people that we can really Mm -hmm. lock arms with and, and be committed to Jesus together. Uh, Because the Bible also says in Proverbs, if a man woe to him who falls when he's alone, who's going to essentially, who's going to pick him back up? 
right? You need to have some people who are going to pick you back up too. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, doing this walk without, you know, peers or mentors, you know, going through this. And it also says in Proverbs says a man who isolates himself will seek his own desire. Right. So if I'm in a, in a, in a position where like, yeah, I'm going to start going to church and let's, let's try this out, but you're not reaching out and you're not, you're not asking questions and you're not trying to, to make those friendships, those people that'll walk with you you're going to begin to seek your own desires. You're going to begin to be like, you know what? Like, I want to do this, but it's like you're in a position and you're setting yourself up basically to fail, right? So being able to, to have those friendships, you know, and, and there's kind of like tiers, right? So there's your mentors, right? There's your peers, those people that you're friends that you do life with, you know, obviously people that'll give you advice. And then there's people that you, you know, pour into, you know, people that you could also just be that light and begin to mentor them as well. But it's important to not, allow their opinions, you know, to outweigh God's opinion. Right. Right. So it's like being able to, to take that advice, you know, yeah. pray on it and then run with it. So there's just that whole dynamic of, of friendships and, yeah. and relationships. And yeah, how we choose our friends and how we choose who we walk with is really important. And it's such an interesting dynamic, even when you think about how we interact with unbelievers or people that aren't following the Lord, right? Like, should we hang out with them? Should we be hanging out with them? Um, how often, what things do we go to, not go to, those kind of things. And the Bible lays out a great foundation for how to go about this. And people often refer to Jesus who hung out with tax collectors and sinners. And sometimes that can be used as justification to Mm -hmm. hang out with people that are going the opposite direction of the Lord. But here's a couple of important distinguishes to make. And believers, by the way, should be the most friendly people in the world. We, We should not be rude to anybody or closed off to people in general. However, Jesus hung out with those people with the intention to reach them. It was purpose-filled hanging out. Jesus wasn't just hanging out with them for fun, and nor was he participating in the sin, but he was hanging out with them to reach them. And sometimes we go through seasons um, where we simply aren't strong enough to to do the reaching yet. Mm-hmm. Like if, if your life yeah. is first being changed, um, because it's so much harder to pull somebody up than it is down. You know, if, if I'm standing up on this table and Jared's standing off this table, even though I'm two and a half, three times stronger than Jared, it's going to be more difficult. <laughs> he still would pull me down. And really, even even if, um, no, even if honestly, if you if you put a strong 14-year-old down there, it he'd probably yank me off before I'd pull him up on the table because it's just so much easier yeah. to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. And so how do you get to the place where you can pull people up then? You, there has to be a big strength disparity, right? So if you took my six-year-old yeah. daughter and put her down off the table and me up on the table, I'm going to pull her up. She's not going to pull me down. Yeah. Even though um, even though pulling down is easier, there's such a difference in the strength level and yeah. the positions that we're in that I'm able to pull her up. And so sometimes God calls us to take a season and step back from, and I know when God changed my life, I had to step back from... Um, uh, the friend group that I was hanging around, not because they're bad people, they're really great friends of mine and and have good hearts, but because I knew God was needing to strengthen me and I wasn't strong at the point where I could lift them up, I would have been pulled back down to not thinking about the Lord and not pursuing the Lord. And then I noticed a shift that happened over the years as I was pursuing the Lord that when I started to hang out just a couple times again, every time I would hang out, my mindset was so different. Priority number one for me 
was how can I reach this person? It wasn't just, yeah, I want to have fun. It was how can I reach this person? And so who we walk with is really, really important. Again, believers should be the kindest, most generous people. Believers should never be the person at Del Taco yelling at the cashier because they got their order wrong and all that. Shouldn't be believers. Um, believers should be kind and courteous and open and all of that to the people around them. However, who we fill the void with when we spend time with people, um, we need to be so careful about because it's easier to get drug into the worldly mindset than it is to pull people up. You have to be in a really solid place that the Lord's put you in. Yeah. And I wonder if, cause some, there's a lot of wisdom to what you're saying. I wish someone would have challenged me to disciple someone else sooner, hmm. just differently than what you're saying. It's kind of like, if you're the, if you're a fish in a lake of sewage, you should probably get out of that lake, you know, sure. like, but when you become a, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men rather than trying to go back to the entire old friend group in the old environment, there may be one person that God's calling you to start to share what's happening with you mm-hmm. right away. Right. I, I wish someone would have challenged me mm, sooner in my walk with the Lord to, to teach someone else what I'm learning. Because I think I got, I think at different times in my relationship with Jesus, I got, got to, I'm only learning and not doing. And it created some bad habits where I just fill up with this head knowledge, but I never lived it out in a way. Right. I think when we're our most healthy is when what we're learning, we're applying. Yeah. I heard a quote this morning in a meeting that, that I was in only learning is failure. So if you learned something and you didn't apply it, you, that's a failure. Yeah. Right. So it's what the word says, be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's one thing to remove yourself from the party scene to not go to the clubs, right. like duh, that's just wisdom. Right? right. But there may be someone that, you know, from your old friend group that you should share with and you should say, Hey, this is what Jesus is doing in my life right now. And this is how he's impacting me. Can I yep. share with you about that? And I think that's really healthy. Yep. I think we need to, even if you're a brand new believer in Jesus, you need to share it. Yep. Agreed. If it's only staying with you, yeah. it's not like flowing through you. There's, you know, John seven talks about these rivers of living water will flow through us. Yeah. Well, that means that the water has movement, right? Mm, it's not good. just sitting like a lake, mm. but that there's rivers and something's flowing. So, yeah. And even when God first changed my life, there was a, a circle of friends that I was hanging out with. And to this day, I love those guys, but, um, but I invited them all when God really, I mean, on the second half of the fast, when my heart was just captured in a big way, I invited them all to come on the journey and, um, some of them didn't, one of them did though, and said, I, man, I want to do this too. And he ended up fasting before the Lord and praying. He was not a believer prior to that. Um, and all of that. And God captured his heart and changed his life. And to this day, he's now married, serving the Lord. I think he's leading a house church, um, and reaching other people around him. But if, if, if I would have totally closed off completely to any interaction or anything at all, I would have missed out on that opportunity. And I think a lot of times what God calls us to is I'm sure there are some times where we just, for whatever reason, it's an unhealthy relationship or something that we have to cut off a person. But I think a lot of times what God calls us to cut off is a lifestyle. And sometimes other people refuse to step out of that lifestyle. So for instance, if there's somebody 
who they only wanted to hang out with you by going to parties and they would just invite you to parties over and over and over. Well, that's not a lifestyle that you can live anymore Mm -hmm. and that you should be at and you shouldn't be partying for the sake of reaching people. That's not wisdom and (laughs) and that's not, it's not what the word teaches us. I used to do that. I used to think like, yeah, like I got it. Like I'm good. Like I could contain myself and like go to this party and be an example. Oh dude. It was just not. I love that. It was just not. I'm going to be an example at this party. Yeah. (laughs) By Compromised. showing them that believers still go to these kind of parties, right? <laughs> right, right. Oh, now so it's ignorant to the that, amount. Yeah. Oh, quick funny story. When I uh, when I was 18 years old, I went to only one party in my life, and this friend that I just told you ended up getting saved and following the Lord. Before he got saved, he was one of the ones that that was telling me, "Let's go to this after prom party and all that." And so we went there, and um, and at the after prom party. Um, I still, again, this was when I was one foot in, one foot out. I actually, there was a computer that was like DJing the whole party and all that. And some people would walk up and I noticed some people would walk up and put certain songs on. And I thought, let me represent the Lord right now. Oh and, and so I went over there and I put on Hillsong <laughs> and everyone is, everyone is like dancing, not appropriately with each other and all this stuff. And I went over and the rap music and all that. And I switched it up and I put on. I don't know if it was here I am to worship or something, no, something didn't. like that and oh put it on. Goodness. And the atmosphere changed so much <laughs> that, that there was maybe 60, 70 people instant there. Instant conviction. Instant, instant going from dancing, partying to whatever to kind of like, what the heck? Like, who's doing this right now? And you got to know, I'm sure some people like felt instant conviction oh and all that. Gosh. And then some people just wanted Didn't it care, off. But, yeah. but wow. I thought I was repping the, repping the Lord right there, but maybe not so much. Dude. Maybe, maybe, oh maybe that gosh. didn't do too much. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish I could just like replay that moment. Oh, it was something. I really wish I it was something. It. Yeah. You should have seen the sea of 50, 60 people's oh faces, gosh. none of them being super excited of the idea to worship. Wouldn't it have been great if as soon as I did that, their hearts were also touched. They all immediately just yeah. lifted their hands and began to worship. Maybe that's how I pictured it playing out, but it's not how it actually played out. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's really funny. Yeah, um, something. Okay. So if you were given a closing statement, what to tell somebody to get out of this lukewarm Christianity, one foot in one foot out, one sentence. What would you say? I'll go first. Good. I'd say it's worth it. Mm. I would nice. say. Okay. Just one no, statement, right? That's, that's it. it. Yeah. No, it's worth it. I mean, it didn't have to be that short of a sentence, but that's what you chose. That's actually, that's actually what I was going to say. <laughs> really? <laughs> but I'll say it. I'll say it in a, I'll say it in a longer form. Uh, let me think of the right way to say it. The pain that comes with denying yourself for his sake is worth it. That's what I would say. That, well, I want to continue, that's but good. I'm going to stick with no, one that's sentence. Good. You yeah. gotta, that's what you got to do. Yeah. I'd say, and I see this a little bit in your testimony, but I'd say you've got to give God a full try. Hmm. That's good. I like that. And now since it's my podcast, I'm yeah. going to explain. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think... Yeah, actually, when it comes to even a, when it comes to the giving of money, you know, uh, in in the Old Testament it says, "Try me now in this. Yeah, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven over you." God's saying, like, "Give me a try." Yeah. Psalm thirty four says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good," but you got to give him a full try. That's right. Yeah. And a full try is even just important to clarify. What is a full try? Well, I think yeah. it's a full surrender over a somewhat lengthy period of time because even when you think about sowing and reaping right um we 
That's like cool. to think that we sow and then we just want to see the results right away. And if we don't see them, we feel like, well, I tried. Well, even as a farmer, if you plant tomato trees, tomatoes <laughs> do go on trees, right? No. <laughs> Wait, tomatoes. <clears throat> Come no. up out of the I'm ground. Getting, I'm getting nods yeah. no from the crowd. Tom- tomato vines. <laughs> just go with apple trees. Vines. Let's just, yeah. Let's go, with, let's go with orange trees. If you're planting orange trees, you... You plant the seed and then what happens? Now you have to tend to it and wait, right? That's where the Bible says through faith and yeah. patience, we inherit the promises. Right. And one of my life verses as well is do not grow weary while doing good for in due season, you shall reap a harvest if yeah. you do not lose heart. Yeah. And that if is a big word. It's saying that, that you losing heart is the determining factor on whether or not you'll receive a harvest for this thing. So yeah. when you say a full try, that doesn't mean like... I gave God a day. You know, yeah. yeah, I gave God a full twenty four hours of everything I got. Yeah, how that, would you how would you quantify that? Like what would a try, quote unquote try be? Like how long? Hmm. That's a good question. I I don't think This is tough because a try insinuates I'm like going back on my own phrase now, but a try <laughs> insinuates that that you know, maybe. It's kind of like a like okay, almost, okay, okay. Remember, eh. remember when we were teenagers? Actually, it's they still use it. It was the proactive, oh yeah, uh, face wash yeah. that was like the first big thing that Doesn't was work. like to get rid of acne and all this stuff. Like if you just did it one night and you were like, oh, it doesn't clear up my face, right? Well, that would be stupid, right? Like, you've got to give it enough time to actually let it do its work. Right. And so I think what you're in, implying here is like, don't just say you went to church once, like, oh, I've got to try, whatever. Right. But and you I, really have to go and for And I it. would also say it's it's really complicated on uh, if you're trying to quantify and determine how long, because everybody's in different seasons. Some people have more history and habits that need to be broken or bondages that need yeah. to be broken off than others. Some people, when they give God a try, they're really all in and giving him everything they got. And some people are mostly in. And so, so it's, it's hard to, um, determine like a specific number. Like if you were to try to say, well, how long should we wait for the promises of God? Well, Abraham waited 20 plus years before he saw Isaac, but did everybody in the Bible wait 20 plus years before they saw the promise? No, some people didn't, but I would say, and this doesn't sound encouraging if, uh, you know, if you're trying to, if you're wanting to try God, this may not sound encouraging, but try however long it takes for you to receive the promise that God has for you and, until you receive the harvest. But you, when you're trying him, what I would say is just know that it is coming. The harvest is coming. And um, and sometimes I think we get all the way up to the place where the harvest is right around the corner and we give up. And that's where it says, do not grow weary while doing good. In due season, you will reap. You will reap if you do not lose heart. Mm. And I think oftentimes, in fact, the closer we are to reaping the harvest, the more the enemy pushes back on us because uh, if he can get us before we see the harvest, that's that's prime time. Because once we see the harvest, now it's now it's more likely that we've tasted and seen the right. goodness of God and no, we don't want to go point. back. Yeah, that's really good. This was good. This was good. Yeah. If you watch this to the end, I've got, a, I've got bonus content. What? I've got more funnies. Ooh. Yeah. I've got what does that mean? What you got cooking? I've got a I've got a text thread right here <laughs> that uh, we were a part of. Oh gosh. The three of us? The three of us and Ooh. a couple other guys. Here. A couple other dimes, as we would say. Ah. Dimes, yes. That uh, I just hey, want to ten. T- ten out of tens. <laughs> I just want to read some of the compliments that went flying around back and forth between John and I. Oh, I love this. On this thread. You ready for this? Yep. Uh 
So anytime I read it and I say, it's like John, this was me talking to John. Yeah. And John we went back and forth. Yeah. Responding. Yeah. Um, John's such a man that when he wants an egg, he cracks open a chicken. I love that one. Nice. That one was good. Okay. That uh, one's actually true too. <laughs> John can kill two stones with one bird. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady can throw a ball 60 yards, but John can throw a Tom Brady even farther. <laughs> Nice. It's so good. Uh, John can hear sign language. Yes. 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 Good. That's so good. It's pretty rare. Yeah. It's an art. I'm I'm realizing that I did so many of these before you ever. Before I chimed in. But when I chimed in, I went hard. Is that right? If my memory is correct. This is from like. John will never have a heart attack. Even a heart isn't foolish enough to attack him. (laughs) Refuses. (laughs) Right. John said Luke funded and built the hospital he was born in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Actually, maybe here's payback for what I said earlier, which now that I think about it, it was so mean and harsh. About, about the, the cheeseburger, cheeseburger thing? Yeah, you went Even there straight out the gate. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I just realized like I look like a jerk. <laughs> I am totally so good with you looking at a jerk. Like a jerk. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, so you, John, I don't care, dude. John you know said, I don't, John John or John said Luke tried to lose weight, but he never loses. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> that one got me so good. And uh, John said Luke once went skydiving and the parachute broke, so he took it back that day for a refund. Right. Anyways, those were some good. And ones you know, and forth. you know where I got those, and I think you did too. I literally looked up Chuck Norris jokes and then just inserted just Luke. Your yeah, Chuck just, Norris. Yeah. So if you need a hack, I wish I was smart enough to just come up with those. If you somewhere. need a hack for how to be funny in a friend group chat, just look up Chuck Norris jokes, jokes and just right. start complimenting And just your insert friends. the other name in there. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. If you throw Luke to the wolves, he'll come back leading the pack. Ooh. Wow. That wasn't straight from that the was dome. Like deep. That was not straight from the heart. It is was, your phone? Is that a Chuck out? Norris? No, it's not. It's oh, not. wow, dude. That was straight off the dome. But that was a previous Chuck Norris It was Norris a previous... <laughs> okay. mm. I don't know. That kind of felt like... Prophetic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and no then way. last thing. Last thing. Do, do you guys real? I just had this realization the other day. Do you realize that SpongeBob did not have square pants? They're rectangles. We need to leave right now. I, I would like to... Have you ever thought about this? I, I haven't thought about it. I think his pants are squared off. Could you say oh, that? No. Would you say that rectangles... If something has a 90-degree rect- angle... rectangle. Yeah. If something has a 90-degree angle... That doesn't... No, squares have 90-degree angles. That's what I'm saying. Wait. I'm saying just because it has a 90-degree angle at the corners doesn't make it a square... Like, Would you say this table is squared off at the ends? It would they need, were not thinking this, that. All sides... In order to be a square, all sides need to be even. Yeah, but it's not it determined by the right angles. Something, but in order for something to be this is not justification. Off, We've been lied to. Is my to point. <laughs> We've been lied to. What he is SpongeBob pants? rectangle pants. <laughs> and someone just went. You know what? That just doesn't roll off. It the doesn't desert. roll. It doesn't roll <laughs> off. You'd have to shorten rectangle and just. What would it be? Rect pants. What would it be? Don't go there. No, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> rectangle You've never thought there. about this, have you? I've never thought about that. That they're no. rectangle pants. Yeah. No. Never. I haven't thought about that. We should, you know, we should we should find the information of the creators and we should challenge them Yelp. to an open debate on this. Write a crazy, in detail Yelp review. I was trying to be the devil's advocate to say, defend them, saying maybe they meant squared off, but I think you're right. Yeah. I think they just lied. 
Yeah. SpongeBob, was that even your generation? Of course. Was it? I'm but like sh- the I'm tail sh- end. Like you watch the newer episodes, I bet. You don't know about that crusty crab pizza. Crusty crab pizza is the pizza for you and me. Yeah, but you know that as crusty a rerun. Cray, you weren't there when it first came yeah, out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pizza is the pizza, yeah, for you and me. Okay, that will okay. be the intro of the episode. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Oh, Anyways. <laughs> hey, oh. uh, thank you guys for joining us uh, for this episode. Uh, really hope you got some good practical tips. Would love for you to share this with uh, your friends. Like, subscribe, share, whatever you do with wherever you consume this content. Uh, we drop new episodes every Tuesday at 2. And our prayer is that you really do learn how to be on fire for Jesus through a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We love you. See you next week. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We drop a podcast every Tuesday at 2 p.m. We want you to encounter Jesus, share this with your friends, and we'll see you next week.